Thanks for watching today at wildwoodchurch.com. Now here's today's message. In a few weeks. All right. Okay. Well, good morning. And turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. We are in a series called The Way Forward. I think every year I ought to take some time to get us refocused on what we believe the Lord wants us to do, to be, and to pursue. So over the next five weeks, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be looking at our mission, our vision and strategy, as well as our core values, the way forward. What is the mission of Wildwood Church? If you're astute, or maybe if you've just started visiting and you're paying attention to, the, you're reading the bulletin, you're scrubbing the bulletin, you'll notice that it's right there in the bulletin. Our mission statement is right there. But that's just a way for us to capture the mission of Jesus for the church. You know, what, what the Lord has for Wildwood Church is really no different from what the Lord has for the church. And what he has for the church as the mission of the church is the Great Commission. And we find that in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. So let's read that, then I'll pray, and then we'll start to look at what it means to be Great Commission people. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to first acknowledge that you are king, that you are head of this church, and we are your people. And what you have commissioned us to do is what we ought to be doing. And I'm thankful that Wildwood is a church that values <clears throat> the Great Commission, that, that responds to the Great Commission, that submits to the Great Commission, that submits to the King of the Great Commission, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would be with us now as we, as we explore this, as we look at this, as we apply it to our specific body and our time and our location. I pray, Father, that you would be glorified through your church. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. <clears throat> so the mission of the church, and therefore the mission of Wildwood Church, is to go all over the world and make disciples who obey Jesus and make disciples who obey Jesus. And on and on and on and on until, just like that song said, on and on and on and on until what? Until Jesus comes back. Has he come back? No, he hasn't. Not yet. We anxiously await that. But the mission of the church, whether it's Wildwood Church or Edgewood Baptist or First Baptist Silvis or any of the other churches in the Quad Cities or around the world, the mission of the church is to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. There's a lot of leeway in how we can go about doing that. But there is no leeway, there is no denying what is our priority. What is our task? It is to make disciples of Jesus. If we do everything but that, 
We are not a church. We might have church in our name. We might carry Bibles. But if we do everything but make disciples of Jesus who obey Jesus, then we are not a church of Jesus. And listen, if we do nothing but that, we will hear, I believe, well done, good and faithful servants. So if the only thing we accomplish is that we are evangelizing and reaching lost people and making disciples who obey Jesus, then Jesus will say to us, well done. So the Great Commission, the mission of Jesus for our church ought to motivate and inspire and regulate everything that we do. Does that make sense? Everything we do ought to answer the question of why. Why do we exist? We exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ. So over the next five weeks, we're going to be exploring what we believe is the mission, the vision and strategy, and the core values that the Lord has given to us. We believe through lots of prayer, through lots of conversation, through analyzing our body, our giftings, our place, our time. These are the things that we believe that the Lord has for us. And when I say our mission and our vision, I don't mean like, hey, gee whiz, we developed something, but rather it's ours in the sense of our responsibility like our kids. I hope parents that when you say these are our kids, you don't mean these are my possession. You mean this is my responsibility. And when I say this is our mission, that's what I mean, it's our responsibility. We are responsible to King Jesus to carry out our mission. Over the last several years, the elders, the staff, the congregation has worked hard to identify our mission statement, our vision, what the Lord wants us to become, the, the things that we value as a church body. And again, when I say it's ours, I don't mean, again, possession, like, like I'm some, or me or the elders, or that we've invented something novel, but rather presenting this as our task, as our responsibility, what the Lord has given to us. So again, I said that our mission is the mission of God for every church, it's the Great Commission, and in, a sense, in essence, the Great Commission is a ministry of reconciliation. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. He says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now he clarifies, clarifies what he means. He says, that is... In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. In other words, the point of Jesus coming, the point of the church of Jesus is about reconciling man to God, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God, making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So what do we hear in Paul's assessment of essentially gospel ministry, great commission ministry? What do we hear there? One, we hear Paul boiling the gospel essence down to 
Jesus came to reconcile sinners to God. That's the whole point. Take, take sinners that are at war with God and bring them into peace with God. And then make those same people that are now at peace with God ambassadors with the message of reconciliation. And so the, the concept of faithfulness, you ever wonder what it looks like to be faithful to God? Well, I think that this sums up what it means to be faithful to God. Maybe not, maybe not all-inclusive, it doesn't exhaust faithfulness, but I think it sums up faithfulness. One, we are reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ. So that's where we begin. But we don't stop there. Once we are reconciled to God, then we go out as ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And look at what Paul says. God making his appeal through us. Now we'll unpack this just a little bit later, but recognize what Paul is saying. God is appealing to sinners of whom you used to be through you. He's using you to reach more people, to reconcile other sinners to himself. That's the concept of faithfulness. Be reconciled to God and then go proclaim the message of reconciliation to other people. We live in the Quad Cities. We have a unique community. This is our time, this is our place. This, the church, Wildwood Church, has been placed here now for this purpose. We live in the Quad Cities, and the Quad Cities has four main bridges that connect Iowa to Illinois over the mighty Mississippi River. It's one of the first things that I noticed when I moved here the importance of bridges to life in the Quad Cities. Now, I would argue what I've, what I've learned is that the bridges are maybe more important to Illinois folks that go to Iowa than <laughs> Iowa folks coming to Illinois. But if you live in Iowa, bridge is pretty important for you to get to Wildwood Church, amen? amen. So praise the Lord for, uh, for, for bridges. So bridges have a purpose. I mean, there's lots of things that they can do. They they look beautiful, especially the I-74 bridge looks beautiful at night, it's lit up. It's a, it's a piece of art. And, and people come and take photographs of that. They're inspired by that. They look at that. But that's not the primary purpose of the bridge, is it? The primary purpose of the bridge is to connect one side to the other, to bridge a gap. In other words, to reconcile two sides of the river and specifically to allow people to connect from one side to the other side. And similarly, the church exists to connect people to God. Namely, through his son, Jesus Christ. And specifically, by faith in his son, Jesus Christ. That's why our primary task, what you see on the screen behind me, our primary first and foremost task is that we exist to connect people to God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Like I said, if we do everything else, but we don't do that, we are not a church of Jesus Christ. And if we only do that and what follows, then we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And I don't know about you, but that's the only thing that matters to me. Amen. All right, so we exist to connect people to God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've been given a ministry of reconciliation. It's the primary task of our church and it's the primary task of every true church. So I'll just let you think about that for a moment. 
you've probably been to churches, you probably know of churches, that that is not their task. It is not their concern. I think Jesus would make an assessment and I'll allow Jesus to make that assessment. But I'm telling you that the, the task of every true church is to connect people to God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans 1.16 tells us, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So no matter what else we do, the only thing that really truly changes someone's life is the gospel. Entertainment does not have the power to save. Lights, great musicians, praise the Lord, we're blessed with them. Great programs, social activities. None of these things has the power to save man's soul. Only the gospel. Yesterday, maybe if you walked in the, the east side, you saw a bunch of moving boxes. We're not going anywhere. We're shipping 1,114 shoe boxes that were packed by our people yesterday and, and resourced by our people over the last nine months. We're sending them, these are special access packages, and I was told that we're the only church in the upper Midwest, basically north of Kansas City, that is doing special access shoe boxes. I want to explain to you what that means. A special access shoe box goes to a place where the gospel cannot go. Special access boxes go around the world where you cannot walk in with your Bible and say, hey, let me tell you the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one of the most beautiful things that we did yesterday, we packed our boxes. Lord, you did a great job organizing this. We packed our boxes and it flowed and flowed and flowed and we get the box packed and we exit the gym and we come around and my heart burst when I saw there was a prayer station. And we gathered together in, in kind of rotations and we prayed and Travis, you prayed, you asked the, the Lord to use these boxes and specifically, ready? It's not the washcloth that saves, not the toothbrush that saves, not the inflatable soccer ball that saves, but these become a vehicle by which people carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ in their mouth, presenting these shoe boxes to children have the hope of changing eternal destinies. Without the gospel, all that we did yesterday was nothing. Without the gospel, all we did was give the children a trinket to play with. And I, and I, just, I just connected the dots, Lori, because we put five Band-Aids in a box. And I go, well, five Band-Aids, what does that do? Well, it's not about the Band-Aids. That meets a, mo a need for the moment. It's about the gospel. It's about the person that takes the shoebox and hands it to a child and says, Jesus loves you and Jesus died for you. And apart from that, brother and sister, there's nothing. The church does nothing disconnected, disassociated from the gospel of Jesus Christ. It will all be burned up. Do you understand? Now, praise the Lord that we can use something like a shoebox filled with a washcloth and, a, and, and, and a, a notepad and some pencils to get into children's lives around the world where the gospel is 
uh, resisted and rejected and they are hostile to it. And Wildwood, we are the only church in the upper Midwest that is sending packages to hostile regions. Praise the Lord. Thank you, church, for your faithfulness to resource these boxes and for helping us organize and pack. I know that Lori is committed, but she could not do this by herself. Amen. All right, so our, our mission is to bring reconciliation between God and man, or man and God. We have been entrusted with a message that causes peace between those that are at war with God and with whom God is at war. Look at what Paul says in Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's our message. People are at war with God. The whole world is at war with God and God is at war with them, but he makes peace through Jesus Christ. And he's entrusted Wildwood Church and every true church with the ministry of reconciliation. So first and foremost, we bring men and women into peace with God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And how will people know that they can be reconciled? You think, well, the gospel's out there. How? But how will people know that they can be reconciled to a holy God? before it's too late. How will they know that message? This is Paul's question in Romans 10. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they, how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who pr preach the good news. In the words of an old buddy of mine, this ain't automatic. It's not automatic. God in his sovereignty could have chosen to make it automatic. He didn't have to use you and me. He didn't have to use shoe boxes. He didn't have to lose, use uh, Lori and her team. But in his sovereignty, he chose to use us. Imagine this. Not only does God give us the gift of faith and salvation, but then he gives us the gift of sharing the faith and salvation with other people. And if you've never shared the faith with anybody, then you don't really understand what I'm talking about, how, the, how much of a gift that is. But when you have shared your faith and someone, someone comes from, from, from spiritual death to spiritual life, you're like, thank you, Jesus, that I got to be part of that. Maybe, maybe you're afraid to share your faith right now. You just need to do it. You need to step out on it. And if the gospel is the most important thing, then maybe we ought to know what the gospel is. And you know, the gospel is as deep as the ocean, and yet infants can swim in it. It's simple enough that, that babes can understand it. So let me just say it simply. Wildwood Church connects people to God through the gospel of Jesus Christ, what is the gospel? This is our primary task. Here's the gospel. Our creator God is holy. And we are not. There's a big old gap 
between him and us. Bigger than the mighty Mississippi River. But God has made a way for man to be reconciled to him. His name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus died for your sin and he died for my sin. And the fact that he was risen, raised from the dead by God is the affirmation that his sacrifice is acceptable for all those who would call on him for forgiveness. Would you like to be forgiven of your sin today? If you would, you call out to Jesus, you confess that you are a sinner for whom Jesus died. And you submit to him as Lord. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Brothers and sisters, is that complex? No. Is it life-changing? Yes. Is it eternal life-changing? Yes. Now, could I spend the next 15 years unpacking the message of the gospel? I intend to. But it is simple. God is holy, you are not. Jesus came to reconcile you to him. Believe in him. Be forgiven. Submit to him as Lord. Amen? That's the gospel, folks. That's where, we believe, that's where we begin. That is what we prioritize, reconciling sinners to God. That is the mission of God in the world, reconciling people to himself. But that is not where we end. You see, if we stop there, this would be a ministry of addition. And it would be contingent upon how many people can I share the gospel with? And maybe one or two people a year, maybe 10 people a year might come into saving relationship through my preaching ministry. Praise the Lord for that. But that is not where we stop. We're not content with with addition to the kingdom. What we've been called to is multiplication. What we've been called to do is not just to share the gospel, but to make disciples who obey Jesus. And part of obeying Jesus is making more disciples. So the next thing that we do is Wildwood Church connects people to others through discipleship. That's our next mission priority. Our relationships with fellow Christians ought to be relationships that cause us to grow and to be more faithful and more obedient because the church is not primarily a social club. I'm pleased that that you have found some of the most meaningful relationships in your life at this church. Praise the Lord. I think it's supposed to be that way. But the church is not primarily a social club. The church is a body that is on a mission to make disciples who obey Jesus. We toss around the term disciple quite a bit, but I'm not sure that everyone quite knows what it means. Isn't it Princess Bride? What's that guy says? Is it Monteo? Somebody knows it. What is it? Eagle Montoya. Eagle Montoya. Something like that. You use this term, but I do not, it doesn't, what? 
you use this term, but I do not think you know what it means. I think that the same applies for a disciple. We hear the term disciple and I do not think we know what it means. A disciple is one who accepts the, 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 the teaching of another and assists him in spreading it. I read a Desiring God article and said that a disciple of Jesus is one who learns from Jesus in order to live like Jesus. See, here's where I think that we fall short. I think that, that, that people call themselves Christians and they might even dare to call themselves a disciple because they're learning about Jesus and they're learning from Jesus, but they have no intention of living like Jesus. They have no intention of assisting him in spreading his message. Are you being a disciple of Jesus if you're only learning about him, no, you're being a historian. Jesus calls people to follow him. And I think that it's pretty obvious if we look at the life of Jesus, what it means to actually follow him. On several occasions in scripture, we see massive crowds following Jesus. You know, if I was gonna make up a, a story about Jesus, if I was gonna make this up, I would have the crowds, but there's no way that I would say that the crowds departed. You're not exactly a successful leader in this world when you gain a huge following and then they all leave you. That's not exactly the picture of success. And yet Jesus has these massive crowds of thousands of people following him and then he says things that turn them away. And John in chapter two tells us that he knew the hearts of man. In other words, he knew the motives of the people that were around him. And he on purpose said things that he knew would cause them to turn away. He would say things like, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Do you think that Jesus has changed his mind? If anyone wants to follow me, great. Take up your cross and follow me. That's the invitation. Die to yourself, live for me. That's the invitation. It was the invitation 2,000 years ago and it turned thousands of people away. And it still turns thousands of people away today. He would say things like, if anyone does not hate his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What I think functionally happens is people imagine, well, there's disciple and then there's Christian. It's not true. They think, well, a disciple is like, okay, missionary or pastor, maybe Sunday school teacher, No, it's Christian. A Christian is little Christ, a follower of Christ. You're, you're imitating Christ. You're following after Jesus. 
Those are hard things to hear. And people in those big crowds, they didn't want to hear hard things. So they turned away. Whenever you started talking about what it would cost them, you know, salvation is free. You can't earn it, but it costs you everything. Does that make sense? You can't earn, you can't buy your salvation, but when you're saved, being saved means you give everything to Jesus. You submit your life to him. It'll cost you everything. Take up your cross and die to yourself and follow me. That's the gospel. That's the invitation to follow Jesus. It could not be more opposite of what is marketed as the gospel in the West today. Come to Jesus and he'll give you everything that you want. Sow your seed of faith and he'll multiply it for you. It's nonsense. It's garbage. It is hurting people and sending them to hell because it's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus is worth everything that you have. And he invites you to follow him. He gives you what you can never earn. He saves you by grace through faith. And then he says, now give me everything. And the amazing thing is that then he gives some of it back to you. And then he says, use this. And when you get to heaven, I'm going to reward you based on how you are faithful with what you have. <sighs> amazing. So these people in the big crowds, they didn't want to hear what Jesus really had to say. They didn't really want Jesus. They just wanted the perks of being around Jesus. As long as he was doing miracles, he was doing this, these spectacles. You know, spectacles can attract a huge crowd. And as long as he was doing spectacles or giving out free stuff, namely feeding people miraculously, people wanted to be around. But they didn't want Jesus you see, we call this relationship entitlement, not discipleship. At Wildwood Church, we are pursuing discipleship, not entitlement. We're not giving out perks for being around Jesus. We're saying to, to follow Jesus means to give up everything. To say yes to Jesus before he even asks the question. That's what we're pursuing. That's what we believe. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we're inviting you to. It's a great life. To far greater than you can imagine life. To say, Jesus, I give you everything. All to Jesus, I surrender. We sing those, those, those familiar songs, but I don't think we, we really mean it sometimes. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to Jesus, I freely give. When we say all, we mean all. And it's worth it. So we seek discipleship, we seek a growing love for Jesus that changes our lives, not just greater knowledge. Here's another way that I think that, that churches get it wrong with discipleship. They have a discipleship program. And I've been at churches where people just go from one Bible study to another Bible study to another Bible study and there's no application to their life. There's no growing love for Jesus. There's no real life change. It doesn't affect their marriage. It doesn't affect their parenting. It doesn't affect their, their stewardship. It doesn't affect their citizenship in the world. No, it just makes them smarter. That's not discipleship. That's education. We're not looking for education. We're looking for transformation. So what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to grow in our knowledge of and love for and obedience to Jesus. You see, we come to love Jesus more the, the more we grow in our knowledge of him. That's why we teach the Bible, uh, not anti-education. 
We just want to put education in, in its place. We come to love Jesus the more we know Jesus. And the more we love Jesus, the more we obey Jesus. And the more we obey Jesus, the more we treasure Jesus. Why? Because we learn that in obeying Jesus, that we are simply doing the things that Jesus wants for us. And what he wants for us is for our good and for his glory. The more we obey, the more we say, yes, Lord, I'm going to submit my life to you, the more we come to to, uh, intimate knowledge of the fact that God is for us. He's not a mean ogre saying, I'm going I'm to take this from you because I think it'll be funny to watch you squirm. No, he removes the things that, that keep us from, from knowing him. He gives us what we need to be faithful to him. And the more, we, the more we act in obedience, the more he becomes the treasure of our hearts because he strips away the things that clout our thinking, that blind us, that distract us. So we come to love him more, we come to obey him more, we come to treasure him more. And it all begins with knowing him more and we know him by knowing his word. And so as you will experience, our discipleship ministry is word centric. We're gonna teach you the Bible. So that not so that you will be puffed up with knowledge, but so that you will grow in your love for Jesus and obedience to him. Growing love for Jesus uh, also works its way out in love for people. In fact, this is how people are known to be Jesus's disciples. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. People will know, it will be evidence, there will be proof that you are in fact my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, the command to love other people is not new. In fact, when Jesus summarizes the the greatest commandments in Matthew 22, he says, Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's not a new commandment. So what is it that is new? Notice that he says that we would love others as he loved us. And how did Jesus love us, disciples? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I think about Peter's words uh, that love covers a multitude of sins, Sometimes love means you just ignore the quibbles and the nuances and the irritations of other people, recognizing that they're sinners and you're a sinner. And you go, you know what, we're just sinners trying to work this out, and love covers a multitude of sins. I think about Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I think that the evidence that you are, in fact, a disciple of Jesus is that you love Jesus and you love other people, especially when loving other people is hard to do. And oh, I would, I would note that love for Jesus is not crying during a worship song, though that's fine if you do. But love for Jesus is spelled O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E, obedience. 
Do you love Jesus? Yes. How do you know? Because I obey him. I delightfully obey him. I long to obey him. I, I want to obey him more today than I did yesterday. I love Jesus. What is clear is that being a disciple of Jesus involves intimate relationships, meaningful relationships with him and with other people. And discipleship is how we foster those relationships at Wildwood Church. It's a mission priority. Wildwood Church connects people to others through discipleship. We want, we, we want to bring people into the church. We want to share the gospel with them. Actually, what I really want is for you to share the gospel with people and bring them into our church and get them plugged in. But we, we, we share the gospel with lost people. We bring them into the church. We connect them to other people in meaningful relationship through discipleship. And we do that in three key ways. How do we disciple people at Wildwood Church? Three key ways. Bible studies, connect groups, and triads. We have adult Bible fellowships that, that, that are going on at 9 a.m. We have a couple. I think we're about to start another one here soon. We also have youth Bible study at 9 a.m. And we have kids ministry at 9 and 1040. And, and th these Sunday morning Bible studies are great ways to move from large groups where you're not really known by a lot of people into smaller groups and where it's safer to ask questions. You know, it would be kind of weird if you asked me a question right now. But in adult Bible fellowships and in youth Bible studies, it's safe to ask questions. And it's right to ask questions. We encourage you to ask questions. If you've never considered making this a two-service Sunday, I would encourage you to consider that beginning next week. I would encourage you to consider making your participation at Wildwood two services, a, a 9 a.m. adult Bible fellowship or a youth service, and then come and worship again or in here collectively at 1040. I'll speak to this in a, in a couple of weeks when we talk about family transformation, but I have a great concern about parents who drop their kids off in youth Bible study and they worship here at nine o'clock and then they go home. I think you're setting your children up for failure when it comes time for them to transition and to be part of the church. What you're suggesting to your kids is that they're part of the youth group, not part of Wildwood Church. And I want to, in the strongest pastoral sense, encourage you not to allow that to be acceptable. Our assumption is that approximately a third to a half of the youth downstairs are not gathering in worship because their parents come for one service. Now there's a solution to that. You go get into an adult Bible study and you join your teens for the 1040 service. That's our recommendation. All right, so Bible studies. Perhaps you already serve in a Sunday, on a Sunday morning and you worship on a Sunday morning. And, and so going to a Bible study is not going to work for you. Then we have midweek Bible studies. Now, we've paused the adult Bible studies on Wednesday nights for this semester so that we can bolster up our children's ministry volunteer base. But we have a Tuesday morning Bible study for women, and that will work for some of you, won't work for all of you. But generally speaking, starting in the new year, we'll be back to a Wednesday night adult Bible study. And that, again, is purpose to bring from a large group down into a smaller group so that you can get to know people. Because we don't want you to just stay there. We want you to move into a connect group. Connect groups are where people are known in a growing church. 
Wildwood is big enough and we have two services and, and Lord willing in the next year or so, we're gonna have to go to three services. Wildwood is big enough for you to be lost in the crowd if you wanna be. And we don't want you to be. And the way that we connect people, the way that people don't get lost in the crowd is through connect groups. And these are groups that meet in people's homes throughout the Quad Cities throughout the week. And this is a place for you to be held accountable. And maybe you don't wanna be held accountable, but it's for your good and you know that. And it's a place for you to chew on some of the things that you've heard in Sunday morning, some of the things that you're wrestling with. How do we, how do we apply the truths of scripture to our parenting, to our marriage, to our singleness, to our work life? That gets fleshed out in a connect group. And then finally, as you are ready to jump into deeper ministry and greater ministry, we invite you to what's called a triad, which is a one-on-two discipleship. And this takes place over the course of about 12 to 18 months, about an hour to an hour and a half every week or most weeks. And this is where you are seriously getting into theology and you're, you're studying and you're growing, you're understanding doctrine and you're being prepared for ministry. Bible studies, connect groups, and triads. The whole model is about multiplication. Again, I said that if, if the model of expanding the kingdom is me preaching to you, you bring your friends here and they hear the gospel, we might add a few people every year to the kingdom. But we're not content with, with addition, we're pursuing multiplication. The people that we reach with the gospel, we're making disciples who obey Jesus and they go out and make other obedient disciples. That's the Jesus model. This is nothing new. This is nothing new. When Jesus gave us the great commission, he said, go into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, including what I'm commanding you right now to go into all the nations and make disciples. Are you an obedient disciple if you're not in the process of making more disciples? No. Parents, it starts with you in your home. Are you making disciples of your kids? Family worship, we'll come to this in a couple of weeks. It's a core value. Are you making disciples of your kids, of your grandkids? Are you making disciples? Are you, are you going into the world looking? Are your eyes up and are your eyes open, ready to give it a defense of your hope in Jesus Christ? I want you to notice that Jesus' model presupposes connection with other people. He commissioned people to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples and on and on it goes. The Christian faith is a personal faith. Don't get me wrong, but it's not a private one. The Christian faith is a personal faith, but it's not a private one. You're saved individually, but you are saved into a body, the universal body of Christ. And the universal body of Christ is made visible by the local body. And right here, it's called Wildwood Church. That's why our third mission priority, which we're gonna come back to next week, is to connect people to the church through partnership. The reality is that you and I cannot achieve our mission without one another. When I say this is the mission of Wildwood Church, maybe you've been sitting there thinking, ah, that's awesome, I'm glad to know what my pastor is gonna be doing. 
Folks, this is the mission of Wildwood Church. You and I are Wildwood Church. This is your mission in life, to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. That's what it's about. It's not just what the, what the organized church does. This is what you ought to do with your life. This is what your life ought to be about, making disciples through your workplace, through your home, in your neighborhood, in chance encounters on the airplane, flying to Hawaii, working out at the gym. Wherever you go, this is your mission. This is why you're here. Trust me, your experience of eternity and paradise is going to be enough to justify sacrifice and suffering in this life. So like I said, we're going to return to this idea of partnering with the church next Sunday. But this is a great place to transition to communion. Communion is expressly about the body. Communion, as the name implies, is about community. It's not individual. Communion is about us coming together, recognizing the, the, the broken body of Christ and the blood poured out to bring us together into unity. The Corinthians evidently had forgotten the body. The Corinthians evidently had gotten so focused and fixated on their own individual lives and their own priorities. Well, that's great that you have a mission for Wildwood, Brian. I've got my mission. I've got my priorities. The Corinthians had lost sight of their connection to the body and Paul rebuked them. And Paul said, some of you are dying because you are taking the Lord's supper in vain and the issue is that you fail to recognize that you are part of a body. You have made Christianity about yourself, Paul says. And there's nothing new under the sun. So I ask you to examine your hearts today. Do you recognize that you are part of something bigger than yourself? And do you thank God for the church? And do you recognize that his mission for the church is his mission for you. I invite you to examine yourselves. I'm gonna pray, worship team will come back and we're gonna give you some time to think and pray and process and ask yourself, Lord, do I recognize, one, do I accept the gospel of Jesus Christ myself? Do I believe the gospel? Am I connected to you personally? And two, am I connected to others through, the, uh, through discipleship? Am I following Jesus, growing in obedience and love for Jesus? And third, do I see that I have a place in this body? And because I have a place, I have a purpose. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us the ministry of reconciliation that we can declare that sinners who are at enmity with you can have peace with you through Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you would lead us as a church, as a body, to be even more focused 
in the Quad Cities and in our spheres of influence than we've ever been in our lives. Jesus, we are waiting for you to come and, and we want to be found faithful. We want our lamps to be lit and we wanna be doing what you have called us to do and not be distracted by anything else. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, thanks so much for watching online. I hope that this message has inspired you to greater faith, has encouraged you, maybe convicted or challenged you. We're grateful to be able to provide this content to you online, live and on demand. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube so that we can get this content right to you as soon as we upload it. But you know, we believe that as a follower of Jesus Christ, that you need the body of Christ. You need the local church. And so if you're in the Quad Cities, let me invite you to personally join us in person for our gatherings on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 1040. If you're not in the Quad Cities, I wanna encourage you to go find a local church that teaches the Bible, that serves the community, that loves Jesus, that gives grace. Well, hey, thanks again for watching, and we hope that you were blessed.